Heads up, everybody. I'm B. Francis Clark. And I'm Anton Anderson. And this is Sky is Black, future-facing conversations with experts, innovators, and entrepreneurs of African descent. Spanning the entire African diaspora, the whole world. Worldwide, baby. Worldwide. It is raining on the tech deck. What? Rain? It never rains in Southern California. Isn't that it how that song goes? It rains in Southern California. And Except they tell when it does. Me. I'm glad that the music that we are playing right now interfered with me singing those notes right there because Tony, Tony, Tony would not be proud of that rendition right there. But I'm proud of it. I think it's good. I do what I can, when I can, if I can. And believe me, these days, all of those things are suspect. I think a little rain does us some good. The grass will be green next time when we're out on the tech deck. And that is true. My daughters were so excited to see the rain today. They were singing in the rain and loving it. And my daughter's the same way. I mean, she's only two. But, you know, even when it's not raining, her favorite thing to put on are her rain boots. That's right. And, and it's funny because my wife's originally from Louisiana and we don't, and, and she's like, growing up, that wasn't really a thing, you know, rain boots, because I guess it, it you know, rained a lot there. And now, you know, for, for both my kids, the rain boots, like, oh, we get to put on our rain boots. And, and our daughter likes to walk around just in her rain boots kind of all the time. And it's funny because she's a toddler, so she can't really walk well. And so putting on some heavy boots just has her kind of clunking around. But she loves it and she's happy to be out there in the rain. And the little preschool that she's at, they, they're kind of like, sure, play in the rain. They don't really stop you from, from going out there. You know, as long as there isn't like lightning or something happening, they are more than happy to, to have you there in the water. So she'll come back happy and muddy. Happy, muddy, beautiful, strong, your daughter. All the stronger for it too. She's not going to be one of those who's going to be like, I'm melting from the rain. So. No, no, no Wizard of Oz going on here. If you are listening to this podcast for the first time, you have just found yourself on the road to Wakanda. Sky is Black is about celebrating and supporting the Pan-African doers and dreamers who are building our collective tomorrow. And by builders, we're talking about people of African descent in engineering, design, science, technology, robotics, artificial intelligence, business, and venture capital. In other words, you have just logged into the pure vibranium ultraverse. Ultraverse. That's right. One could say there are omniverses, but the sky is black community is the ultimate ultraverse. You know, we often talk about how we're focused on the, the pan-African diaspora. And even if we just talk about America, in all those cases, you'll notice that for being a relatively small part of the population, we create an outsized impact in the culture. And hmm. we really want to emphasize that and celebrate that. We're not anti anybody, but we really want to make sure that, that we lift up those voices and those people who are, who are looking ahead, who are moving us forward. Of course, we would always want to remember where we're from, but more importantly, in my opinion, we want to remember where we're going. We fully represent and recognize who we are and recognize our responsibility to our brothers and sisters around the world, whoever they are. We are all together. Amen and amen. And so we are talking about the future of Black commerce, which we see as more than just the evolution of Black enterprise. We see it as the fulfillment of the Pan-African principle of Ujama. And what is Ujama? Cooperative economics. All in it together. And here's the thing, dear listener, if you are not part of the community, if you're not part of the, the, the Black community, why do you care? Why is this at all relevant to you? Well, for two reasons. One is that when we all get there, you'll, you'll come along. And even if you don't want to come along, frequently you'll hear people talk about sort of how, how things are going or how someone's doing. And if if someone's a little off, they might say, hey, that guy, that guy's not hitting on all eight cylinders. You know, they'll say that he's a little, a little off. And, a, you know, if you're talking like, you know, a V8 engine or something, and, you know, one out of eight is 12%, 12% of 
12.5% actually. And the black population, at least here in America, is 13.4%. That's so right. So why do you care? Why should you care? Is that, you know, if you want just being jingoistic, you know, America for just a moment, even if you're just focused on that, you want to be hitting on all eight cylinders, right? Everyone wants that. And so we want to uplift the, the people who are moving us all forward, because not only because it moves our community, the Black community forward, but in turn, by doing that, it moves everyone forward. So even if you don't want to go to Wakanda, say what? Even if you don't want to go, you at least can, we can drop you off somewhere cool on the way. Maybe Akon City or someplace like that. We have an entire podcast and an entire platform dedicated to Ajama, which we will talk about later in the show. But like I said before, today, we are going to the Wakanda swap meet. So we're not going to Walmart? Are we going to Walmart? Will there be Walmart in Wakanda? Oh, by heavens, no. <laughs> are you the answer? <laughs> oh, by heavens, no. And when we talk about that more, I will explain why, but no. Walmart, I don't think will make an appearance in Wakanda. But we cannot talk about the sky is black ultraverse without also talking about the Snoop verse. Snoop Dogg has developed his own metaverse. Snoop Dogg getting down in multiple environments. You know, he's everywhere. I mean, not he has this metaverse, this whole virtual world. He has a cookbook. He has all kinds of great things. I mean, he can't is stop, just... Can't stop him, can't even contain him. The Snoop Dogg metaverse can be found at sandbox.game. So just sandbox as it sounds, S-A-N-D-B-O-X dot G-A-M-E, sandbox.game. And that is Snoop Dogg's metaverse. You can build your own mansion there. You can end up having your own car you can have you can expand according to this you can even have a chance to become snoop dog himself thanks to a handcrafted avatar that can be used in the sandbox metaverse boom so he has his <laughs> he has his collection he has his collection of cars there in the snoop verse you can do a private pool party you can tour snoop's house live concerts apparently and just like he said the avatar store with 10,000 unique NFTs, not coincidentally featuring Snoop. Imagine that. And you can actually purchase property in the Snoop verse as well. Location, location, location. It's like this to the next episode. <laughs> what? <laughs> Snoop doing big things. We will keep our eyes and ears attuned to what is happening in the Snoop verse. So good news for the Clark family. I am now triple vaxxed. Vaxxed and relaxed. Vaxxed and relaxed, vaxxed and maxed and relaxed. And I would love to say jacked, but no, not jacked at all. <laughs> and also my daughters are getting their vaccinations today extremely pleased about that right uh, on because hopefully we can get back out into the world again of course the pandemic is not over by any stretch no not um, not at all not by any stretch but i bring this up because when we get to the motherland finally for afrochella for the africa tech summit for other things that we'll be doing in the motherland akon city akon city for shizzo Maybe we can take in a African basketball game. The Basketball Africa League just announced that it's expanding its schedule for 2022. So last year they did all the games in Rwanda, but next year they're gonna be doing games in Senegal, games in Egypt, and then the finals or kind of like the final four that they're doing will be in Rwanda. So there'll be two conferences this year, unlike last year, which will be nice. So if we are in Akon City, which of course is in Senegal, perhaps we can pick up a basketball game. Good luck to all the players. Good luck to the league as it expands and provides jobs, provides opportunities, provides uh, entertainment. entertainment for the continent and for the rest of the world. 
going forward. So I'm excited about that and looking forward to watching how that league grows and develops. So quick update. Last episode, we talked about uh, Tamik being in the 100 Brilliant Women in AI Ethics Summit. Timnit. Quick little note about that. I always mispronounce her name. The way that she pronounces it herself is Tamit. And so mama calls her Tamit, I'm going to call her Tamit. So we always call her <laughs> Timnit because that's the way that her name is spelled T-I-M-N-I-T. And so I just always say Timnit, 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 but it's technically Tamit. And so going forward, I will work hard to not be the name butcherer when it comes to you, to me. Right on. We are behind you in your corner 100%. And the name butcherer has no place when it comes to you. So to me, was the keynote speaker at the 100 Brilliant Women in AI Ethics Summit. We talked about this in the last episode. And we mentioned that she was going to unveil her own institute for studying artificial intelligence. And she did it. So the name of it is DARE, D-A-I-R, which stands for Distributed AI Research Institute. And the tagline that she has come up with is, AI is not inevitable. We dare to imagine, build, and use AI deliberately. So not drinking anything, but we are giving a virtual toast to you to meet for launching DARE. We love it. We're excited to see what comes from that. We are extremely excited about it. We will follow this closely and to meet when you come on the podcast, we are very eager to hear what the long-term vision is for what you're doing. In the meantime, we are behind you 100%. So you can get more information about what she's doing at dareinstitute.org. And that is D-A-I-R-institute.org. And so to meet, we love you. Can't wait to have you on the podcast. And I know that Anton can't wait to have you over for dinner with NK. That's right. That What a dinner party that would be. To me and NK, first of all, I would want for someone who likes to talk, and I do like to talk, you know, that's one of those dinner parties where I would want to just do nothing but listen. Because having those two amazing women there, her, to me, NK and my wife, the conversation they would have, you know what? I'll just cook. I'll cook, serve up the food, and just and just listen. I will be your sous chef with the skills picked up from the Pan African Food Festival podcast, willing and able to serve. That was a nice plug. Really cool. Good. <laughs> I do what I can when I can, if I can. And like I said, that is always suspect these days. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Another important event that is coming up is coming from the Africa Center. We have mentioned them in the past. We are huge fans and supporters of the Africa Center. So if you're not a huge fan and a supporter of the Africa Center, you need to be. And we'll provide a link to That's right. that organization in the show notes. But they have a conference coming up very soon on December 15th, looking at what did the United Nations Climate Conference deliver or not for Africa? So the Africa Center and the Energy for Growth Hub invite you to join a discussion with leading African experts on what the recent international UN climate negotiations actually delivered for the African continent. What implications will the various pledges, commitments, and decisions have for climate justice and for African economies and ambitions? What's on the table for next year's negotiations in Egypt? And what more can African leaders, researchers, and activists do to establish their own visions for a climate-smart future and ensure their priorities are heard? So that sounds very exciting to me. And if you have an opportunity to check it out, I urge you to do so. They're such a wonderful resource. And so even though we don't mention every single thing that they do, you definitely want to check them out. Once again, there we'll have a link to this particular piece in the show notes, but theafricacenter.org. It's a great resource. Every day, 
all the time. So, Bernard, have you heard about this group? They're in the midst of getting their funding together, but it's a it's a production company called Four Screens, and they're a media company supporting people of color, women, and other underrepresented communities. I think this is another great example of trying to bring those voices that need to be lifted up, the voices that are already existing. The founder, um, Messiah Jacobs. What up, Messiah? That, that's right. Shout out to you and to the Nicole Bennett, the VP and creative director, and to Anita Castellar. And according to the founder, you know, Hollywood's doors of opportunity have been closed to people of color, women, and, and other underrepresented communities. We are changing the way that deals are financed, greenlit, and constructed, and how underrepresented talent is managed. We're creating a value chain of ownership. So their whole idea isn't just to be, you know, a, a studio or a media company that is generating content representing underrepresented communities, but they want to generate equity. They want to generate the opportunity yes. Yes. for, you know, a deeper level of engagement in the, in the, in the in what would be the traditional Hollywood system, which is very hard to break into. One of the staffs, you know, 90% of agents and executive staff are white at the top talent agencies. They want to change, you know, sort of the whole ecosystem uh, of, of the Hollywood industry. They're currently getting the funding together. They're going to do their launch for funding on WeFunder in about a month. Uh, in January 7th is their launch date. So check that out. Four screens. It sounds very exciting. And as you know, we have something similar in the works. And, and so you said that date is January 7th, 7th, where you can start investing in four screens. We are behind four screens 100%. Want to champion your efforts, and we are rooting for your success because we are all in it together. Together. Amen. Amen and amen. So another interesting thing about art, we talked about the Artist Activism Conference last week at Harvard. I unfortunately did not get a chance to check that out. Had a uh, real estate transaction that had to be dealt with, so was not able to check that out. But I will definitely see the replay of it and have some comments in an upcoming episode. That got me thinking about something that is happening at the University of Minnesota. And shout out to Melinda Linquist, Pasadena's own, who was a professor of African-American history and culture at University of Minnesota. Shout out to you. Hope you're doing well. Look forward to talking to you on the Recollect podcast at some point. But anyway, at the University of Minnesota, they have launched what they're calling Design Justice out of its design department at the University of Minnesota, and it sounds very, very interesting. They've launched a design justice fund. They're going to be developing the Design Justice Center, and they're also developing their design justice pedagogy, figuring out how they want to teach justice-centered design with a cultural lens focusing on disability, racism, Black and Indigenous design history, design as protest, those kinds of things. And so when I saw it, I immediately thought of you because you are an artist. It's really, I think, fantastic that they are being very intentional uh, about yes. having students yes. and staff and faculty yes. who represent the sort of justice-centered work that's you know that's already happening on a lot of college campuses and in particular there you know i think that the whole idea of just you know if you're a stanford person you always talk about design thinking about how you're going to you know being very intentional in your approach and the idea of baking in justice and equity into that approach i yes. think is it's important i mean not just in you know we talk a lot about futurism and technology but kind of across the board if you can bake in a sense of, of of equality and justice into all the things do it intentionally mm -hmm. i think that's fantastic so shout out to the university of minnesota for putting the money where their mouth is for, for for continuing on and making this happen and it's awesome they are launching their first design justice course in the spring in the spring of 22 and the title of that course is Disability, Racism, and the Intersections of Design Justice. And that is being taught by Jennifer White Johnson. So shout out to you, 
Professor White Johnson. And another thing from the University of Minnesota, they also offer an equity and diversity certificate. So in addition to the design justice initiative that they have as the university itself, they provide an equity and diversity certificate. And so what is the value of a certificate? In the big scheme of things, probably not very much, but for those who participate in it, perhaps it will plant a seed that will make a difference in their lives and in the lives of others. I think the certificates are great. I, I actually have some certifications and actually I'm looking to get as some more as time, as time permits. And the thing is, is that the whole idea of getting a certificate in a, in a given discipline, you're right. I mean, you got, you know, the certificate, but what it means is you sort of taken time away from your everyday life to do a really deep dive on that topic and do a deep dive with people who are already experts at that. So the whole idea that you can get a certificate in equity and diversity specifically gives you a tool set that you can then take to any discipline that you're in. And yes. so I yes. think that those sort of, I don't think it's insignificant at all. I think it's something that can be really be layered on, on top of any profession and any professional endeavor. And I don't mean insignificant in the sense that there's no value in it. I was just saying that in comparison to a PhD or something along those lines, it may sound insignificant, but it actually has the potential to plant some seeds of understanding, and that always has value. Yes, amen. Amen and amen. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about it, the pros and cons of having Walmart and Target and other conglomerates in Wakanda. Does that undermine small businesses? Does that undermine community? Does that undermine Ujama, we have some thoughts about that, and that conversation is coming up. Heads up, everybody. I'm B. Francis Clark. And I'm Anton Anderson. And we have a big announcement to make. Big. Starting on January 1st, 2022, we are launching the Year, Year of, of Ujama. Ujama. Now, most of you probably recognize that word Ujama from the Pan-African Heritage Holiday Kwanzaa which means in Swahili, cooperative economics, which we will talk about in detail. Yeah. But I have a question about personal economics first. And that is, what percentage of your discretionary and disposable income actually supports black businesses? You mean outside of coffee? Outside of coffee. Real talk. I would say it's probably not as much as I would like to think it is. If I were to reflect on my own finances, which is always a terrifying thing to do, <laughs> but when I reflect on my own finances, I would say that it's probably less than 5%. Yeah, I would say probably less than 5% for me too, which I'm embarrassed to say. I'm ashamed to say. Talking the talk, but not walking the walk. Imagine what we would accomplish if we just moved from 2% of our dollars to 5% of our dollars, 10% of our dollars. Hey. 50% of our dollars. Think about that. what that would do. What would happen if we all took whatever that percentage is in your, in your household? What if that suddenly went to 20%? Yes. What if we all did that? Not because we're anti-anybody. No. But in terms of simply supporting businesses that support us and that represent us. Accepting the challenge. So, yeah, the year of Ujama. 365 days of Ujama. And we want you guys to come along. So we're asking you, dear listener, to join us as we embark upon this this journey. And we're not doing this as sort of like a cold turkey, you know, one-off sort of stunt. Walking but, the walk. But really, yeah, walking that walk in a sustainable, durable way. We're looking to actually change our lives. And along the way, especially if we do it collectively, change the lives of black businesses throughout the diaspora and so check out our journey some of it's going to be amazing some of it will might not be quite so amazing but challenge accepted 365 days of pure vibranium ujama, ujama. boom walk that talk welcome back to sky is black we are talking about shopping in wakanda we are talking about the Wakanda swap meet, the Wakanda mall, what the future of 
culturally responsible shopping looks like? When we get when we start talking about year of Ujana, we're going to go deeper into specific products and specific things that people are buying. And, and to me, this is really kind of buttressing that in the sense of yeah, Facebook is doing some wonderful things with regards to I'm sorry, Meta or Facebook by Meta is doing a number of things to promote minorities, but what are they promoting? They're promoting small businesses. They're, they're promoting entrepreneurs and, and promoting their platform as being one that is conducive for it. And so it's the same idea. I mean, and, and when we think about, you know, Ujama and cooperative economics, part of it is the idea of being able to help find those businesses. And, and our, our sister podcast, you know, the year of Ujama is, is really focused very much on that. But to me, it's small businesses. And when we think about like what's happening in, in the continent, in Africa, it's small businesses because usually the bigger corporations are coming in there and you have to be a little bit wary you know, with regards to them being a little bit more extractive. And so to me, it's small businesses. You know, is there Walmart in Wakanda? No. <laughs> we call it Ballmart in Wakanda. That's where the baller shop. <laughs> Christmas is coming. Start sending your letters off to Santa. Christmas is coming. Better be nice if you want your present. So I just want to know, you know, we're here in December and want to know how ready are you for Christmas? Are you ready? I am not ready at all. I have my Christmas list from my daughters that has been sent out to Santa. Got my fingers crossed that Santa will come through for them. I know what I want to get them for Christmas, which is always something that is going to empower them either spiritually, culturally, or economically, which in a roundabout way means books. Books are always the centerpiece of Christmas and birthdays and other kinds of celebrations with gifts. We are always, you know, we are big on books and funny enough, our son on his Christmas list actually already has some books that he wants. The reason I'm asking about Christmas is I want to know what you're listening to as as you're getting ready for and when you get ready to put your tree up what are you going to listen to what music do you have playing in the background when you're getting ready for christmas well as you know mariah carey has taken over all things christmas and so my daughters love the mariah carey christmas album uh i of course love the ray charles christmas album and i will just put this out there that the little drummer boy version by ray charles is the best version of all time. I put my life on that right there. Ray Charles, Little Drummer Boy, cannot beat it, period, end of story, end of discussion. That song jams. Unfortunately, and or actually fortunately, since we're on Zoom, we can't arm wrestle about this because I would I would beg to differ. I think Cassandra Wilson You're making a case her version is so good and the, okay. and the drumming not only okay. i mean cassandra right. wilson sh shout out to her for, for just being an amazing artist and amazing singer singer yes. but Love the her. arrangement with the african drums yes yeah. yeah, true. that's true okay you backing me up a little bit now of little drummer boy it's strong for sure it absolutely is, is a fantastic version of that song in fact even though you know we're always forward facing forward facing conversations and we're always looking ahead but i always at christmas time i have to take it back i have to take it back listen to this to 1995 to okay. the jazz to the world christmas album christmas cd for kids when music used to come on devices that spin mm -hmm. we have lou rawls yes, you know, that whole yes. song Yes, Baby, it's yes. cold outside. It's a little, in, in, in many, it's a controversial Christmas song. But you know what? When Lou Rawls sings it, that's seduction. You know, well, it's, it's a, it's you a whole you, different level. You can't tell Lou Rawls nothing. I mean, Lou you know, Rawls took care of business 
I wish somebody would say something about Lou Rawls. My grandmother would put that to a stop immediately. Exactly. So you've got that. You've got Cassandra Wilson. You've got mm-hmm. Herbie Hancock. You've That's got true. Anita Baker. That's true. All strong. All strong. Luther has his album as well. Also strong. Donny Hathaway, of course, is a classic. Whitney Houston's got some strong stuff too. But anyway, go ahead. Mm-hmm. And then rounding out that album, I mean, there's, there's a lot more tracks. But in particular, shout out to all my Louisiana family, uh, all of my, my wife's folks down there from New Orleans, because then you have Dr. John singing uh, mm-hmm. Le Divine Enfant. So it's like, it's the whole, it's the whole bit. It's that 1995 on CD. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. That's a strong album. I'm not going to lie. That, that is a strong one. But for whatever reason, still, the soulful, slow, meaningful rendition is just so strong. The oxen lamb kept time for up a pom pom. All right, listeners, listeners, we want you to we want you to weigh in on this, listeners. Go listen to the Ray Charles version of Little Drummer Boy. Listen to the Cassandra Wilson version of Little Drummer Boy. Or the Anton Bernard version of Little Drummer Boy. And let us know which who wins. Who wins the cage match when it comes to Drummer Boy? I'm still planting my flag with Brother Ray. But I love Cassandra Wilson. One of the best shows I've ever seen in my life, actually, was Cassandra Wilson with Wynton Marsalis down at the mm-hmm. Disney Concert Hall in Los Angeles, which was absolutely fantastic. It was shortly after it opened. And Cassandra just absolutely rocked the house. I believe it was part of the Blood in the Fields tour from Wynton Marsalis, which was fantastic. Absolutely awesome show. So shout out to you, Cassandra. We love you. We love you. She has a nice version of Time After Time, too, that I was just listening to the other day. Oh, I love that. I love that track. Of course, the best version of Time After Time is actually not Cassandra Wilson's version or Cindy Lauper's version. The actual best version of that is by Tuck and Patty. And so for our listeners who are not familiar with Tuck and Patty, you need to get familiar with Tuck and Patty. The husband plays guitar. The wife sings. They are awesome. And their version of Time After Time is the best Mm -hmm. ever. That one I am positive about. There is no other competition for that one, I assure you. You keep trying to knock Cassandra off. Oh, no, I'm I'm not knocking Cassandra. I mean, I love Cassandra. I mean, Cassandra and I can walk into the sunset together and be happy. Trust me. Uh, I am not trying to knock Cassandra off nothing. But in terms of that particular rendition, that particular song, Time After Time, that's got to go to Tuck and Patty. Also saw them at concert way back in the day at the House of Blues. Great show. Fantastic. So today we are talking about small businesses in Wakanda. Have you finished your Christmas shopping as of yet? Not yet. I'm. This is my week to do the orders. We've got our gifts already on their way out to our Louisiana family. You know, now that the, the post office has been messed up previously, the prior administration, we had to make sure everything got in the mail a little bit early, earlier than, than we have done in the past, because we know there's going to be sort of now some baked in delays, which is uh, a different frustration altogether. But it's on its way. So now really we're focusing on the people who are here locally nearby and making sure that we are ready. And speaking of baked in, I mentioned before that my daughters are starting a business and they are toying with the idea of doing something for dogs, doggy snacks of some kind. And so they were just experimenting with their recipes. And so they were baking up doggy snacks, organic, all healthy. And I have to say, they were pretty tasty. You tried them? You tried the doggy snacks? We tried the doggy snacks because they were made of (laughs) ingredients that we can eat as well. A little carrots, a little broccoli, some other things in there. But yes, we were able to eat them ourselves. Just make Uh, sure you know which bin, which snack bin you're reaching into late at night. (laughs) For real, though. So one of the things that you mentioned to me was a site called Undertones, which I thought was great. Undertones is a great way to shop with different uh, 
black indigenous and people of color brands, you know, and so you can do your holiday shopping there. And actually, I've actually already received, I received a number of Hanukkah gifts actually that were purchased through their site. And awesome. they have over a hundred different choices, a hundred different offerings, and you can explore their guide. They have a holiday gift guide. You can get your purchases. There's still time to shop either online or on your phone. They aspire to inspire equitable purchasing decisions. So love what they're doing. It is very much in the spirit of Ujamaa. And what's really cool is they actually have a rating system for the different brands. And it's guided by three different pillars, internal representation and support, public commitment, mm -hmm. and external communication. So really the idea is, you know, is does the workforce is the workforce representative you know are they you know making you know ongoing uh efforts to, to into the general public are they making you know investments or scholarships or other things available with large and then are they actually making public statements do they clearly state that black lives matter and they rate these different brands and different products against those three uh criteria and so this is a chance for you to have uh, a curated statement and values-driven shopping experience. And let me give you some of the scores that major companies are receiving. AT&T got a 61%. Adidas, 45%. Airbnb, 65%. Amazon, 56%. American Express, 59%. Bath and Body Works, 52%. And so I could go on and on, but it's actually an interesting system that they have developed and it's definitely worth checking out. And that is available at undertones.app. So undertones.app. And when we think about shopping in Wakanda, I'm not sure there's going to be a Walmart in Wakanda. I'm not sure. If anything, there's going to be a Walmart in Wakanda. There has to be someplace where the ballers go. A baller's warehouse. Walmart. You know, I'm always interested in venture capital news all the time, all the time. Financial literacy is important. Venture capital is also important. So there is a company called Parity, which sounds very promising to me. I want to give a shout out to the Parity founders, Wosin Oyele and Jacob Burhani, who are the two chief drivers of parody and what parody is is they're on a mission to develop underserved startup ecosystems they do it by empowering businesses with tools and expertise and providing expert freelancers with a platform to develop their careers this is really great because they are essentially building up this this marketplace this community marketplace to provide infrastructure for entrepreneurship so that way you're not going it alone. You've got essentially sort of like this business village that can help you move forward. And they have an algorithm that matches you with investors. If you're a, an entrepreneur or a startup, they, their algorithm matches you with investors who might align with what your vision is. But what I also like about them too, is that they have success-based pricing. As an entrepreneur myself who has struggled with finances and financing for a long time, the fact that they have success-based pricing is really attractive to me. So they understand, quote-unquote, the cash sensitivity and the risk founders already face. So they charge most of the fees once and only if they're able to raise capital for you. You pay only when the job is done. And so for new entrepreneurs, new startups, that is a nice thing. Shout out to you, Parity, for what you're doing. Um, it looks very promising. We hope to have both of you guys on the show at some point or another. If you're interested in more information, you can find it at www.parity.io. And Parity is spelled P-A-R-I-T-I. -I. So that's www.parity.io. Let's do the damn thing. So some other interesting things that are happening in the world. Came across a platform in Africa for data scientists. It's called Zindi. And you can find information at zindi.africa, Z-I-N-D-I dot Africa. 
So what is Zindi? Zindi is a social enterprise whose mission is to build the data science ecosystem in Africa. This is really great. They, they are, we've talked on other episodes about how we would like to see more of the infrastructure built there, built not just infrastructure in terms of bricks and, and buildings, but infrastructure in terms of people, people who are, you know, in these high tech fields, building out the future. And the idea that they are, you know, Zindi is hosting this community, as you just mentioned, you know, connecting data scientists with organizations, providing a place to learn, a place for people to hone their skills. And they say their mission is to transform the African continent and showcase African data science talent to the whole world. And I think that's a fantastic. Big ups to Zindi. We hope that you achieve your objective. And again, they say for data scientists from newbies to rock stars, Zindi is a place to access African data sets and solve African problems. Data scientists will find all the tools they need to compete, share ideas, hone their skills, build their professional profiles, find career opportunities, and have fun. Sounds like they are doing some things. We will study this more and keep you updated. And while we're talking about venture capital, there is an organization called Black VC. They have what they call the Black Venture Institute. It's a curriculum-based program dedicated to teaching Black operators the foundational elements to become angel and venture investors. It is both a virtual course hosted by, yay, Berkeley Haas School of Business in partnership with Berkeley Executive Education. The program enables fellows to gain access to experienced, successful investors and learn the foundations of investing, including what investors look for, how to structure deals, and how to contribute as a board member or observer. As part of the Black Venture Institute community, fellows will be invited to ongoing sessions with investors and technology leaders who will share actionable insights into their professional journeys, as well as share deal flow information and relationships. The Black Venture Institute, you know, they have a mission to provide access, insight, and community for Black operators looking to become angel, scout, and venture investors. Really, the idea is to open up access uh, into the venture capital industry. And access really is what gets you those sorts of investors, gets you having access to the right network, access to the right knowledge. That's what helps you take advantage of the opportunities that are out there. And that's what the Black Venture Institute is all about. And we bring it up because the application for the Black Venture Institute is coming up. We will put a link to it in the show notes. But if you are interested in venture capital, this is a wonderful opportunity. I myself may even apply for this because this sounds really, really good, really, really interesting. So check it out. And they're taking rolling applications for this spring 2022 cohort. Go spring 22. Go spring 22. Quick break. It's time to go shopping. The first annual Pan-African Food Festival will arrive in the summer of 2022. And for the first time ever, diners will enjoy a true Pan-African table with food and wine from places like Ethiopia, Jamaica, Morocco, New Orleans, Nigeria, Atlanta, Belize, New York, South Africa, Cuba, Brazil, Haiti, Kenya, Barbados, London, Egypt, Ghana, Senegal, and Puerto Rico. Every premier chef of African descent, along with restaurant owners, authors, bartenders, food critics, even YouTube stars, will be invited to participate in the tastiest, spiciest, most down-home and delicious food festival there has ever been. Sure, you've probably had soul food, but you've never, ever been to this flavor town. So join me as we organize step-by-step, chef-by-chef, a dinner party over a thousand years in the making. Sound like a good time? Somebody say the blessing. So welcome back to Sky is Black. We've been talking about the holidays. We've been talking about Christmas shopping, and we want to continue our conversation focusing on small businesses. You know, the thought experiment is, you know, you know, what kind of businesses are you going to see in Wakanda? You know, are you going to see, you know, it, will there be a Walmart in Wakanda? And, you know, to me, you know, 
you, you and I both are in agreement that the answer is essentially no. Yeah. Um, and so the idea then is like, well, what is it? Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, my argument is that it's they're all small businesses. I mean, maybe not necessarily mom and pop small businesses, but definitely all small businesses. Um, and I've got uh, a bunch of information from from the census, you know, with regards to, you know, in 2020 or the SBA actually, um, you know, there's 31 in America, you know, there's 31.7 small businesses, which include, you know, 47.1% of all employees are, are you know, people in America are employed by small businesses. And interestingly, is that when it comes to minorities, you know, 5.2 million self-employed minorities out there. And at least I couldn't get 2020 data. I found 2012 data. Uh, so there's, you know, so there's probably, I could exaggerate and says, you know, there's over 2 million black owned firms in America. And, you know, and so, you know, to me, the whole notion is that, you know, when you think about, you know, how we all move forward, what path is it? Is it going to be corporate America that saves us? No, it's going to be the small businesses. It's going to be entrepreneurs. You know, it's, it's, a little bit of the explanation of the raison d'etre of, of this podcast in terms of, you know, we want to promote innovators and forward thinkers. And while those people may end up being at large corporations and good for them, you know, especially in the, in the tech world, you know, a lot of those companies have the kind of funding that allows for people to have sort of these pet projects and do things like that. I mean, some of the most amazing innovations have actually come out of major corporations. I mean, 3M, when you think about them, you always think about them in terms of post-it notes and, and tape and things like that. But they're like, the 3M stands for like Minnesota Minerals and Mining or something. Mm-hmm. You know, they, that's not necessarily, wasn't their wheelhouse initially. And yet, you know, for example, the ubiquitous post-it note is one of those things that was from someone experimenting and trying something. So there's plenty of innovation happening in you know corporate America, but I believe that when we think about how we can all lift ourselves up forward, we shouldn't necessarily depend upon corporate America to do that. It should be one, we should expect us to embrace our entrepreneurial spirit, embrace that inner hustle that we all have to then either participate in a small business or launch a small business. You know, some of the information that I have Actually, I had a couple different bits of information with regards to small business. You know, the SBA defines that as being, you know, under 500 employees. And once again, 60 million people are employed by small businesses, um, 2.5 million black firms. And really, when you look at back at, 19, at uh, 2019, sort of pre-pandemic, you know, 1.6 net new jobs were created through small businesses. And so how do we get there? How do we move forward? It's, in my opinion, it's all through small businesses. I do not disagree. Because it's not just about shopping, you know, we're talking about really sort of small businesses in general. In the last few years, we've had Small Business Saturday, which was initially kicked off by American Express and has been adopted sort of in a larger sense. But really, small business should be every day. You know, when you think about it, if we're going to focus just for a moment here on America, small businesses, as defined by the SBA, are generally businesses that are under 500 employees. And yet, for those small businesses, they constitute a huge amount of the employment. 47.1% of all people employed are employed by by small businesses. There are 31.7, according to the SBA in 2020, small businesses here in America. And and when it comes to how we as a community, you know, we're we're allies to everybody. We're not anti anyone. That's right. And yet when you think about, you know, the minority population, the BIPOC population, there are 5.2 million self-employed minorities. So people who are working for their own selves. That's so right. how do we all move forward? How do we move ourselves forward? We actually, in fact, move ourselves forward. How, with a, either through supporting a small business, through participating by being hired by a small business, or starting as an entrepreneur a new business. Back in 2019, 
you know, 1.6 net, in other words, you know, once you sort of balance everything out, 1.6 million net new jobs in 2019 were created through small businesses. And when you think about it, and we're not anti anybody, I, I, you know, I will probably have an Amazon box show up at my door, you know, for Christmas, probably already, later today. It's already It around. may have already been delivered. I have my notifications turned off when I turn them on and I say, ding, your box has been delivered. So when we so when we talk about how we're all going to move forward, how we all get there, you know, in many cases we're bringing ourselves forward. I mean, we have 5.2 million self-employed minorities, so they're moving themselves forward. They're not waiting for some other opportunity to be handed to them, uh, or waiting to wait for big corporate America to to do something. They're starting their own thing. And I think you know, how do we get to Wakanda? How does Wakanda, you know, do business? I think it does business small and small having a big impact. As I said a moment ago, we've got 31.7 million small businesses. And that constitutes by, um, according to the census, the payroll, if I'm reading the numbers right, is $5.1 trillion in annual payroll. That's huge. So all through those small businesses, if we all are working collectively together. And the great thing is, is that if you are doing business with a small business, whether we're talking about shopping or one of my favorites, coffee. If you're talking about you know small businesses, what happens when those when you buy through that small business? It's mom and pop gift shop. There's a great little place up here in Altadena, a wonderful little boutique. Shout out to Hoopla Emporium. They have when I want my Wakanda. When I want my Wakanda greeting cards, my Wakanda birthday cards, Hoopla. things that have pictures that represent us on them, I go there because you know. They have a wonderful selection of wonderful products. And the great thing is that when I support them, that money goes to, well, one, the products themselves are generally made by local artists. I'm supporting local artists. I'm supporting a local uh, shop owner. And where are they gonna spend their money? They're gonna spend their money locally. It's not going to some big corporate office. It's not being spread out you know, all across the country with the shareholders. It's gonna stay in your community. And regardless of who owns it, by supporting a small business, you're keeping money in your community. You're funding your community by shopping there. And you mentioned ownership. It's not necessarily a Black-owned company, but definitely allies, though. Right. And, and with, with that little boutique, yeah, she's an ally. She and her husband, um, Lori and Scott Webster, they are allies and fantastic allies at that. She, uh, I have to say that, that they are like the, the spokespeople for small businesses and small artists and handcrafted stuff here in uh, sort of the upper part of Altania, Pasadena, that she's a wonderful resource. And when it comes to black ownership, of all those small businesses, 2.5 million of them are black owned, straight up. And so when you support these small businesses, you're supporting us, you're supporting ourselves. And for those of you who aren't part of the community, one, we're a big marketplace. So 13.4% of the population, how'd you like to have that? Secondly, when we move forward, when we get to Wakanda, you guys all get to come with us. And, and so by supporting small businesses, by supporting uh, businesses that are run by minorities, it helps lift us all up and it helps us all move forward and keeps those dollars recycling within our community, within our country, doesn't get shipped off to some tax haven in the, in the Cayman Islands somewhere. You know, it, it stays here and helps improve things here. And the same is true. And the same is true across the diaspora. You know, if you're starting a small business, you know, I applaud the large companies and the large tech firms that are setting up shop, you know, throughout the African continent. And my hope, and I will perseverate about this, is that they'll build up the infrastructure. We mentioned a little earlier about the, the technology, the entrepreneurship infrastructure. By setting up that infrastructure, it allows those dollars to recycle within their communities, within their countries, and recycle you know, to fortify and buttress the economies that are happening there, as opposed to something being extracted for shareholders elsewhere. So what is wrong with Walmart? Why, why, why should there not be Walmart in Wakanda? Well, the challenge is that, you know, everyone, we all, I mean, nobody's going to go and say, hey, I want to buy the most expensive thing. I mean, when it comes to like everyday things, if you're talking about you know, day-to-day -day goods, you know, a carton of milk or, you know, a pair of pants, you know, if you're, you'll have your special occasion saying, hey, I want to buy something fancy. But if you're just talking about like everyday stuff, 
most people most people drive on price. And whereas Walmart, to their credit, they have an amazing system. They have their data analysis. Anytime something is bought at a Walmart, you know, they, they track it and they analyze it. And so if in a certain community, a certain store, people are buying more, you know, of X product, they'll make sure more of X and things like X are on the shelves, you know, in short order. And they have massive operation and massive fulfillment and they can make things happen. That's a challenge that that other small businesses can't compete. And so frequently when when a Walmart or when some of these other big box box stores, you know, even the, the targets of, of the world, you know, when these guys show up, they kind of suck the oxygen out of the small businesses nearby. Uh, because if you're a local hardware store and foomp, Home Depot shows up or Walmart shows up, you're not necessarily going to go to your local hardware store. You know, you might go there for a couple things because it's convenient, but you're going to you're going to put a competitive pressure because that the expenses are the same, the the payroll is the same. Mm -hmm. You know, the 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 ability to, you know, the ability to to compete head to head with these big box stores is really hard. Your local your local bookstore, your local we saw it. We all saw it with the bookstores. You know, Amazon essentially. Well, actually, let me back up. It started with sort of the Barnes Noble and the Borders books. You know, they when those larger bookstores, which were, it was wonderful. I, I actually will admit I enjoyed going to Borders and going to Barnes Noble. And yet do. they put they put a competitive pressure on the small bookstores that are out there. There used to be lots and lots of small bookstores, and then these larger um, chains showed up and began to suck the oxygen out of the market for them. And, and caused them to struggle. And then when the big mothership, when the alien invaders came in and you know, of Amazon boom, shows up and says, well, we'll do it and we'll ship it to you for free. Then even, even the big ones like Barnes Noble and, and Borders, you know, couldn't withstand that pressure. And by that point, all the small bookstores were so weak by that point to where now, you know, there's just a, a nationwide, obviously there's plenty of them, but it just feels like there's just a handful left. You know, it's, and it's just the ones that really have, you know, kind of like hunkered down and, and driven on being, you know, a fantastic local bookstore. Here in Pasadena, we have Romans. There's the last bookstore in downtown LA. There's Powell's Books in Portland. Essawan. Essawan down Lamert Park. We love you guys. And of course, then we've had other people jump up, you know, online to compete as well. You know, Sister Sci-Fi is another one of our favorites. But I mean... The point is, is that, you know, when the large companies come in, when the Walmarts of the world come in, they put a tremendous amount of competitive pressure against the small businesses. And so when I think about what it's like to shop and do business in Wakanda, it's going to be small businesses. It's going to allow for the, the competition and the entrepreneurship and the innovation that start generally in small businesses to thrive. And when they thrive, we all thrive. Amen. And a second reason why Walmart will not be welcome in Wakanda is because of the extraction. Well, one of the things about these companies is that when you, when you shop with small businesses, they're generally not, I mean, almost by definition, giant public owned companies. So their obligation, yeah, of course, I mean, a business has an obligation to the owners, but when small businesses, they're likely to be owner operated. They're likely to be, you know, maybe have cooperatives where they're, where they're owned by the employees. You know, there are some small, relatively local chains. I think of uh, local garden stores and things like that, where the employees own the business. And they may have, you know, a, a handful of locations or so. But once again, if you shop there, if you shop through the small businesses or shop through the small chains, you end up recycling your dollars locally. They're the ones who are going to have their, the owner's going to buy his coffee from the local coffee shop. And then if you buy from the local coffee shop, the barista is going to be shopping at the local hardware store and everyone does it collectively. It's truly Ujama. It's cooperative economics. And if we all did that, not anti the big companies in terms of when you need it, because there are times when you need that, but direct as much of it as you can to the small businesses, not just on Saturday, but every day. I have to say this though, you know, for, for you, dear listener, you know, Obviously, we all need to take proper care of our families and get things where we need to get them. I mean, that's just the facts of life. And yet, where you can, try your best. Try your best to support your small businesses. They're the people who are going to be your neighbors. They're the people who are going to be there. Their kids are going to be there in your school. 
support the small businesses as best you can. We really, uh, we're big fans of them here on this show. Yes. Bernard and I actually have our own uh, small businesses. And so I would say, you know, you'll hear more about this on the show. Check it out, small businesses. What you would see in Wakanda is small businesses because they support us. They all support each other. They allow us all to move forward. We want to thank you so much for listening to us. Sky is Black is forward-facing conversations with innovators, entrepreneurs, and forward thinkers of Africans uh, spanning the entire African diaspora. We are excited to have you. We want you guys all to come along with this, with, with our adventure, our journey, our small business journey. Because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Walmart. Walmart. <laughs> Is that kind of like the, the McDowell's of, of uh, shopping experiences? That's right. Sky is black. Sky is small business. Sky is all of us. Sky is blue.